0: All right, we are back. Welcome to Twersky Tuesdays. I'm your host, Hanani Abraham. We are recording episode seven, and we are starting uh, the second part of the book, chapter three, the title, The Unique Human Spirit. The last time we met, we were finishing to go over uh, what faithfulness is to life, and the process of becoming the best we can be is just as important as the process, as the actual end result. So, the unique human spirit. So, chapter 3 starts off, which is titled, The Ability to be Self-Aware. Dr. Torsky writes, If the source of true happiness lies in becoming the best human beings we can be, in other words, self-improvement, which leads to self-fulfillment, then it makes sense to take a closer look at the unique traits that makes us human. Each ability we humans have in this era where we can strive to be better. And each era, area, where we don't strive for self-fulfillment is an area ripe for discontent. But before I say another word about being better, I want to be very clear that I am not talking about being perfect. Very, very well said. But even just to back up over here for a second, I even think this concept of being perfect is one that needs to be discussed. In baseball, a perfect game is where a pitcher does not allow anyone to be on base. 27 batters up, 27 batters down. But at the same time, even a a pitcher that pitches a perfect game can still have balls hit, can still throw a ball instead of a strike, So even perfect is not necessarily perfect. In a perfect score on the SATs, you can get one or two wrong and still have a perfect score. So when it comes to admissions for college, you can have a quote-unquote perfect score, but not be perfect per se. A person can have a a flawless, perfect uh, routine on figure skating, That doesn't mean that nothing went wrong. Just the score that you got was quote-unquote perfect, the perfect 10 in a way. And I think this concept of being perfect has a negative connotation to it that people think to me that flawless, completely good to the best, top, no matter what, top of the line. But that's not necessarily what it is because really what we're talking about here is we're talking about being better. In fact, says Dr. Torsky, if anything, I'm talking about just the opposite, the spirituality of imperfection. Ernest Kurtz has written a wonderful book with that title in which he extensively comments on the potential that can be found within our imperfection. And then he quotes over here from Ernest, to deny our errors is to deny ourselves, For to be humans is to be imperfect. To be human is to be broken and ache for wholeness, to hurt and to try to find a way to healing through the hurt. Again, it's that same concept of doing something through. It's that journey. He continues Kurtz. A spirituality of imperfection suggests... That spirituality's first step involves facing one's one's self squarely, seeing oneself as one is, mixed up, paradoxical, incomplete, and imperfect. Flawedness is the first fact about human beings. Let's meditate on that for a second before we continue. Flawedness is the first fact about human beings. So from the beginning of time, whatever you feel that is, understand that man has been flawed. But as long as he is able to acknowledge that, be mindful about who he is, and striving for more, that's how a person can then work on themselves to be the best possible version of themselves. And continues Ernest. And paradoxically, In that imperfect foundation, we find not despair, but joy. For it is only within the reality of our imperfection that we can find the peace and the serenity we we crave. To me, this is one of the points where I think of, you know, any, any movie or play where you see people, you know, happily ever after or serenity or that ultimate pleasure... Type situation, the only way it is actually a real happiness or a real sense of being content and joy that we're talking about is understanding that there's a flawedness, understanding that complete and full is not necessarily without any flaws in it. And that's a very big misconception that we have regarding, in order for me to be happy, I need to have perfection. Well, as a human being, we're never going to be perfect. There's always more for us to be striving higher for. But at the same time, there's always reason for us to remember that we are flawed. And it's our job to try to be the best possible version of ourselves. So Dr. Torsky continues. And he actually brings a story that he quotes from Ernest. Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhentz, I am sure of my share in heaven. When I stand before the heavenly tribunal, I will be asked, Did you learn? Is it as is study bound? To this I will answer, no. Again, I will ask, Did you pray At is duty bound? Again, my answer will be no. The third question will be, Did you do good deeds as it is duty bound? For the third time, I will answer no. The judgment will be, he may enter heaven, for he speaks the truth. What a powerful, powerful story of realizing that no matter how much we say we did, there's always more that we can do. That acknowledgement that I could do more is one of the keys of bringing about this joy that we're talking about here. Continues Dr. Torsky. in order for any of us to be the best person we can be, it is essential that we have an accurate awareness of ourselves, of both our shortcomings and our skills. If someone who is tone deaf thinks that he or she can become a soprano vertuso, you'll be very frustrated because that is not what she can be. On the other hand, a person who is highly talented musically but fails to develop that talent may be equally discontent because he has not maximized his potential. It stands to reason we cannot fulfill our capabilities if we are not unaware of them. The lack of awareness is fairly common. What is surprising is the paradox. And There's such a beautiful statement over here. We who are most gifted may have profound feelings of inferiority. What a great line. And I think it's important that we we be humbled in who we are, knowing our place, but knowing that we could be striving higher for. He then brings the story, Dr. Tversky. Janice was a board-certified pediatrician who suffered from severe depression. She was clearly a very accomplished woman, Yet when asked to list her character strength, she couldn't think of anything to say. I pointed out to her that graduating Sumo Konlad and receiving the Phi Beta Kaba reward were evidence of, of a high intellect, and that this was an undeniable character asset. Remember here, just because it's been a while, that Dr. Torsky um, it was the lead psychiatrist um, in a mental hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Janice responded with a deep sigh, <sighs> When they told me about the Phi Beta Kappa Award, I knew they had made a mistake. Her husband Alex, constantly berated her, and she believed the him. Her excellence as a physician had little impact on her self-esteem. Other people may be aware of some of these character assets, but unaware of others. Dr. J is a great example. He would begin his rounds in the hospital at 7 a.m. After seeing his patients, he taught medical students and student nurses, and he also sat on various hospital committees. He would leave for his private office at 1 p.m. and return to the hospital at 6 p.m., often remaining until midnight. The nurses assumed that Dr. J's wife was a terrible person. Why else would he avoid going home? Dr. J asked to see asked me to see his wife because she was depressed. I found out that she was a very gentle woman, nothing like the nurses imagined. She told me how much she wanted a shoulder to lean on once in a while, but that her husband was never there for her. Basically, she said, that two children grew up without a father. If they were sick, Dr. J would take care of them, but he never showed any interest in their schoolwork or social lives. He was never there to guide them. Dr. J's low self-esteem was compartmentalized. He knew that he was a very competent person as a physician, but he did not feel that he had anything to offer as a person. What a great line. And I think this is in some ways where um, the concept of a workaholic or someone that works so much uh, comes out. When a person works to the point where they are not doing their their lively responsibilities, their humanistic responsibilities, and they just focus on responsibilities from work, which they can be very good at. It's much harder for people to take a step back, give up those reins of control, and going into other areas where where you're not that good. Let's think for a second about marriage. Marriage is something that needs to be talked about and worked on constantly. Many people could be the bosses of, home, of their offices with hundreds and thousands of uh, employees, but they come home and they have to roll up their sleeves, wash the dishes, take out the garbage. I don't think if a person is able to separate the two and also realize I have a responsibility to also be a human being, the concept of joy and happiness will not be there. Just another minute or two over here. Dr. Torski continues. Dr. J. was comfortable in the hospital where he felt capable of doing what was expected of him. However, he did not feel he had anything to offer as a husband and a father. And because he felt inadequate at home, he avoided his family. Dr. J fulfilled himself only as a physician, not as a person, a husband, and a father. Self-esteem is one of those terms that we seem to be always redefining. But I think that it is fair to say, we can't have self-esteem until we can be aware of our potential. Self-awareness is a uniquely human ability, and we will never find happiness until we get to know who we really are." So I'm very mixed, personally, on this on this concept of, of being aware of our potential. Um, there's a part of me that, oh, it, that is always scared and apprehensive in my private practice, even saying the word potential especially to to teenagers where people feel like, you know, I'd rather give up and not even go there in the first place. But what I think he means is, and the way we're going to translate it over here, is the concept of our potential. That beyond this door, there's more to life and more to me. What that is, and what the future lies for a person, I don't think that's what we're talking about over here. So just to say over the quote again, we can't have self-esteem until we can be aware of our our potential. We have to be aware of ourselves and that we're capable of doing something. Not potential as in, I will be the next president or you'll be the next Fortune fortune 5 CEO. But it's about the concept of there is more out there for you. And I think that's what he's talking about over here. Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of our podcast. Any questions or comments? or ideas, or critiques, you can email me at koshercounseling at gmail.com.